Good morning. morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. So on the count of three, I want you to tell me what your highlight of Christmas was. Uh, One, two, three. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What I'm going to talk about today is something that we think about the most at this time of year. Uh, Between Christmas and New Year's, a few things happen. Number one is... Most of us have no idea what day of the week is anymore. Uh, I, I've all week have just been off on that completely. It's amazing that I'm here today. Uh, but then for Christmas, it's everything about what Jesus gave us, about the gift, about the present, about our lives, about how we can use that. And then as we look to the new year, you see a lot of people uh, looking forward into res- resolutions and, and things that they want to change, things they want to do better. They have hope. Uh, if you drive by any gym on uh, Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, like the parking lot will be packed. Now, if you go back in February, it may not be as packed, but for that brief moment, there's so much hope. But what I want to talk about is the fact that we have this hope, and it's not something that we should just think about now, but all of the time. And so I want to go to Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 40. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Uh, Simeon was a man of God. He knew the prophecies. And and more than that, working in the temple, being around the temple, being around that all the time, he undoubtedly heard the stories that were, were coming around about the coming of the Christ child, the shepherds. If you were here on Christmas Eve, I talked about them and how they were kind of the first disciples and they took that message out to the world. And while nobody really wanted to listen to them, you can't help but hear what they were saying. And so Simeon would hear that, and he would hear God's leading saying, it's going to be soon. Um, One of the hardest things for us, especially when it comes to keeping hope, is waiting. Because every time we pray, it's true that we will have an answer to that prayer. God answers and hears every single prayer. And when the answer is yes, we're like, sweet, this is awesome. This is exactly what I wanted. I I wanted this promotion, or I wanted this this new car, I wanted this help with financing, I wanted something that I can see, that I can touch, and I feel that right now. Sometimes the answer is no, because God knows way more about what we need than we do, right? And it's like when you're a kid, you want ice cream for every single meal. Now, as an adult, we still want ice cream for every single meal, but we know why that's a bad idea, especially if you're lactose intolerant. But The third part, and this is the part that's the hardest, because yes, we're happy, no, you know, it's disappointing, but we understand it, and and at least we're not waiting. But then the third part is wait, because sometimes the answer to our prayers is wait, and that's so hard, because we want an answer right away, especially in this society. And I've talked before about how I'm impatient in certain areas. Um, It's very hard for me to wait on the microwave. Two minutes is a really long time. Now, I know some of you make pot roasts and things like that that I assume take longer than that, but, but it's something that is very difficult to wait on something that we want, on something that we believe we need. And so you have Simeon here who knew the Messiah was coming, and the more he hears about it, the more it's probably hard for him to keep that hope to wait because the longer we have to wait for something, the more the daily grind of our lives, the more jobs, the more relationship problems, the more everything makes it harder and harder because everything around us is saying, hey, you need to have immediate satisfaction. You have to have quick happiness. And we're taught rightfully by God, no, you have to learn to wait. And in that waiting, we sometimes lose hope. And 
Simeon is in this place where he has this promise from God, and now he has to wait to see when it is going to happen. Uh, Go to verse 27. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Before I get to what Simeon said, I want to talk about this moment. Uh, I'm a writer, kind of, and one of the things that I try to do when I read the Bible is picture this story, because it's important to remember that these are real people. This is not just a storybook. This is not Harry Potter. This is not something that's been passed along. This is actual people, actual events. Mary and Joseph were real people. They were young. They were dealing with so much. And so picture this moment. You have Simeon who was led by the Spirit and he was so open to hope, so open to the Spirit that he went that day and he felt him calling him. And so he goes to the temple and he walks in and Mary and Joseph had been through so much in such a short time. Uh, They had people who didn't believe them that she was pregnant uh, in a holy way. They, They had people that were after them. They knew that the king wanted to kill their son. They knew all of these things. And so they're there, they're doing their requirements, they're giving their son to the Lord, they're talking to God, they're trying to find their hope. They probably tried to look their best, but they didn't have much money. They they had just come from a dirty manger or wherever they came from for traveling. And so they're there, and they're hopeful, and they're scared, and they're nervous, and Simeon walks in. And he'd had a lifetime of waiting for this moment. And you know, when we have a lifetime of waiting, we start to picture different things. We start to to picture, well, this is how I want it to be. This is how it should be. If it's not like this, I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, it, I, I watch a lot of TV, and, and undoubtedly, every time there's a series finale to something, uh, it, it's, it's always kind of disappointing because we build it up because we care about these people. And so Simeon is in this place where he's built up this lifetime and he walks in and he sees this young couple and he sees a baby and I can't imagine what that was like for all of them in that room but because Simeon recognized the spirit of the Lord leading him here he definitely recognized the feel of the Lord in this moment and one of the many reasons that Jesus came to earth as a baby uh, you know top of the list was so that he could show us what it's like to live this life, to go through every stage, to face temptation, to face anger of people, like being angry at you, people hating you, all of these things, to face all of that. But also, a baby is hopeful. Like whenever we see a baby, it, it, it's something that brings us hope. Uh, if it's your baby, it's like, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. If it's somebody else's baby, you're like, Jeff, stop showing me pictures of Beatrice. I don't care anymore. But it still brings us hope. My niece Beatrice came recently, and, and When I was growing up, uh, I was raised by my great-grandparents, my great-grandmother specifically. And so we had Christmas stuff every year because of her. She was the glue that held the family together. And then when she passed in 2011, that kind of fell away. And so none of us really got together. You know, we talked. It's Christmas. But there weren't like these big events that that everybody else would have. And, And then all of a sudden, Beatrice was born in April. And everything is back because this little baby brings so much hope. And I was able to share her first Christmas with her. And I have like 100 pictures. I'll show you if you want to see. (laughs) But I was able to share that and watch her kind of open. And I was able to see firsthand, wow, babies really don't care what you give them. They just want the ribbons and the wrapping paper. So I could have saved some money, but that's okay. Uh, And so that brings hope. And so 
you multiply that by a thousand exponentially when you have Jesus as a baby. And so he was there and Simeon feels all of this. He feels this hope. He sees this baby and he just unleashes his heart to the Lord in that moment. Now, a lot of people in this moment, they would talk about how much it meant to them. They would talk about what it means for their life. Like I said, the longer we wait, the more we want things to be how we want them. And so he could have easily said, oh, I'm so happy. I finally get to see the Messiah. I finally get to be in this moment. People are going to remember me forever. This is what I hoped for. Now he's going to go and do everything that I believe politically. He's going to go and follow everything that I believe because in the waiting, we sometimes cling so hard to our traditions. We cling so hard to our customs. We cling so hard to what we want that it's sometimes really hard to see what God wants. It's sometimes really hard to feel God in that moment. And yet Simeon looked to the Lord. And instead of me, 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 I, 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 this is what I want, he said, oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me see your salvation. And you have prepared this for all people. Now to us today, that's not a shocking statement. But in that room and in that moment, this was very shocking because God was for the Jewish people. The Gentiles did not have a shot at God at this point. And so when Simeon says for all people, he's saying Jesus is here for the Gentiles too. He's for everyone. And so if Pharisees had been walking by, they'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's slow down here. This is not how we want it. This is not how we expect it. But Simeon immediately felt this is for everybody. This is the moment that everyone gets hope. This is the moment that everyone has this chance. And he speaks of others. He speaks of things that no one else would accept. He speaks of Jesus, of our hope. Going to verse 33. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. I can't imagine what the early years were like for Mary and Joseph. We, we mainly focus on their moments in the, in the manger. That's really the only time we talk about Joseph. And with Mary, we talk about her and at the cross. But we don't talk about what it must have been like to be there with baby Jesus day after day, knowing that everybody was after him. That people wanted to touch him, that people wanted to kill him, that people hated him, that people loved him. And so they hear these wonderful words from Simeon about the sovereign Lord, about the gift, about salvation. And they're probably feeling hope. They're feeling like, oh, it's finally going to be easy now. I'm not a parent, but I would imagine that, that there's a lot of worry going up to that day, the day of the birth. And you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm able and then the baby is in your arms and everything feels okay. And then you take the baby home from the hospital and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And so Mary and Joseph went through that on a magnified scale. And so they were joyful, they were surprised, they were nervous, they were scared, but they were hopeful. And then Simeon says, he's going to cause a lot of people to fall. And his life, things are going to happen that's like a sword piercing your very soul. Because we focus, rightfully so, on what Jesus went through in his life, about the, the pain, the torment, the hatred that he was shown, the, the anger, the way that on the cross dying for people, people spit on him, people yelled at him, people made fun of him. His closest friends betrayed him, ran away from him. And we focus on that, and we should, because that's what our faith is built on. But Mary was there for each step of that too. His mother, 
She watched, she felt, she felt those words. If you're a mother, you know that you feel your child's pain just as much as they do, maybe even more. And so that would eat away at the hope. And when Simeon says he will be a sign spoken against, that literally means a target to be shot at. That means people are going to be after him. And so to hear that, it probably really impacts their hope. It probably really impacts their life. But they continued to carry on. They probably thanked Simeon and they went from there. You see, what the hardest thing about hope is, is that hope is hard. Sometimes life is so tough. Sometimes the bills are, are, are racking up. Sometimes the car needs work. The house needs work. The family needs work. People aren't doing what you want. People are cutting you off. People are going slow. Politics. It's just hard, and so it's hard to hold on to that hope. Things attack our hope. I will tell you this for me. I could hear 1,000 compliments. I could hear 1,000 people say, hey, thank you for what you said today. Hey, you know, your, your words meant a lot, or, or the Lord's word, or, or that was good, blah, blah, blah. And then one person criticizing, that's all that I will remember for the rest of my life. And I'd imagine some of you are like that. So like, it's, it's so much easier to lose hope to have hope chipped away than it is to hold it. It's so easy to focus on the bad stuff that will happen. It's so easy to have a gift in our hands and think, yeah, but it's going to need batteries. Yeah, but it might break someday. And that is something that we see in the story of Jesus. We see here, and so they hear all of these kind words, and then they hear about salvation, and then they hear, yeah, but this is going to happen. And yet when we look at the whole story of Jesus' life, as awful as the traumas he faced were, they were for the good. They were so we wouldn't have to face those. And so when we look back on our own lives, we can kind of see that. There are a lot of times where I can look back and say, oh, I get that now. When I was in college, I faced a really dark period of depression. I've talked about that before, so I'm not going to talk about it again. But in that moment, I never thought, oh, thank you, God, for helping me to understand how other people will feel. But now I say that. It doesn't mean that I wanted to go through that, but that, looking back, was like, oh, I get this. And so we can all look back on our lives and say, oh, you know, I almost lost hope here. But that was actually building my capacity for hope in the future. And that's what's so important. And Mary probably felt awful some days. She probably felt like, I can't do this. And yet she was there at the cross. And even after in the days between his death and resurrection, she was with the disciples. She was praying with them. She was helping them. She was one of them. When he went back to heaven, she continued to work with them. She continued to share his hope. Because even though sometimes hope can be clouded, it can almost be invisible. It is always there because Jesus is always there. And he is our hope. Just as he was on Christmas, he is now. And so when you're in those periods of, I don't know that I can do it, I'm waiting, I don't know if every, anything's going to happen, I don't know if I'm going to get this promotion, I don't know if this person is going to forgive me. We look to Jesus and say, okay, this is where I start. I'm going to look at him. And then I'll worry about the rest in a minute, but I'm going to look at him. And we go to verse 36, 39, sorry. Oh, nope, I was right. Uh, so this is Anna. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. 
Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Anna also lived in the temple. She was old, and she was a widow. That's really all that we know about her, those three things. And so from those three things, we can see that she had pain in her life because she lost somebody that she loved, because she lost her life before, and yet she was in that temple. Now, it's Jesus' presence that changed her. It's always Jesus who changes us. It's always Jesus who saves us. But it was the words of Simeon that probably brought her to that door to see Jesus, to feel Jesus, to touch Jesus. You see, Simeon, in working for his faith and giving in seeking his hope and dealing with everything that he was facing, he was impacting others. Simeon's words caught her ear. And as a widow, being alone, losing her loved one, she could have given up. She could have said, I, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't see me. I don't know what I'm going to do. But she heard this. She saw him. She felt him. She found that hope and she spread it to others. She took it out to the world. Because it's not about just feeling hope for ourselves. As a Christian, we are not here just for ourselves at all. Just like Simeon's words were immediately for others, our life is for others. Our life is for him. Our life is to help others see that hope. You see, it's always said, and it's true, that you can never work your way into heaven. You, you either believe in Jesus or not. You're either saved by him or you're not. You can't work. You can't speak. You can't act your way into heaven. But those words, those actions, the way that you speak, the way that you live can help lead others to that hope of Jesus. It can help lead others to that path. And so what's amazing is in doing that, in helping others find hope, in helping others with their problems, in helping others see the Lord, it clears those clouds away from our own hope. It helps us to see it more clearly. Uh, I'm actually, this part is easier for me than the seeing hope myself because I am an other person optimist. And so by that, what I mean is if you come to me and tell me anything going on, I'm going to help you look at the bright side because I honestly see that bright side for you. When you're facing something hard, easy, in between, I, I can look at you and say, God loves you so much, like he's going to help you. This is what, what maybe it can mean. And yet then for myself, it's the opposite. Uh, I went bowling the other day with Gravity, the band, not the concept, although it was also there. And, and, and in the bowling, every time I would bowl, I would think, well, that wasn't perfect. When other people would bowl, I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. You got two pins down. And I, I'm not at all like patronizing them. I meant that. I'm like, that's good. That was better than your last one. And then like some of the kids, they'd be like, oh, that was a good job. You got nine pins down. I'm thinking I didn't get ten. Because it's easy sometimes to look at the bright side for others, to hope for others, but not for ourselves. And yet in that helping for others, we're forced to, folk, to, to also think of ourselves and think, okay, if I'm saying this to them, I have to think it for myself. And that's how God works through all of that. Uh, verse 39. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. From this moment, we follow Jesus' story. 
We follow what he means, and we're all a part of that story. We see some Mary. We see a little bit of Joseph. We see a little bit of his childhood, but it's all about Jesus. The Gospels are all about Jesus. Our lives are all about Jesus. And he was filled with wisdom, with favor. He was shown grace, and he showed grace. He is and was our hope. And so we don't really see Simeon or Anna's names again. But we will in the book of life. Because they were changed, because their role in the story for our purposes was done, but not for the Lord's purposes. And so just because they were no longer in the spotlight, they still talked about him, they still worked for him, they still loved him. Even unmentioned, they took the hope that they'd gotten that day and ran with it. And we see different perspectives, we, we see different stories, we see hope through different eyes. Simeon and Anna were, were very different people, and yet on that day, they both saw hope. They both saw grace. They both were able to touch, to feel, to really feel that moment. And so there were days still where they felt sad because you're never going to feel happy all the time. You're just not. And so on those days where they felt sad, maybe there were even days that they doubted. There was a sliver of hope left where they're like, wait, but we saw the Messiah. We felt baby Jesus. We know that it's real. And so they were able to look up, to remember that bit of help, to shine on the rest. Because the world is always going to give you many reasons to lose hope. It's always going to give you many reasons to, to make it harder to find hope. The world is never going to be easy. I would love to be able to tell you that once you accept salvation, once you become a Christian, your life is all gravy from there. And the good kind of gravy that KFC has. But it's not. It's hard. Sometimes it's harder. And yet, what separates us, what makes it better is we have the hope of Christ all of the time, no matter what we face, no matter what we do. And so on the days that they doubted, on the days they felt hope, felt hopeless, they looked to Jesus and they felt that little bit and then that grew. And that's how we do it. Find the hope of the Lord. Find that little bit of hope and then allow it to magnify the rest. And in the act of not, in the period of your life where you don't feel hope, help others. Help them. Talk to them. Even if you can't say the words to yourself, even if you can't say that you feel enough, help others to see that they are enough. Help others to see that they are worth it. And then that will help you to see hope on their faces, to see the hope of Christ, which will never leave you. And the greatest thing about all of this is Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. My favorite thing about this scripture, and I read it a lot, is this is a guarantee. It's not an if-then statement. If you've gone through school recently, you know that there's a lot of math that's like, if this happens, then this will happen. It's a logic thing. Well, this isn't, hey, if you live a perfect life and you give this amount and you do this and you wear the right clothes and you say the right things all the time and you never doubt and you're never sad, then I'll be with you. No. It's, hey, I'm with you. I am with you. Build on that. Start there. I will help you. I will lift you up. I will be with you. I will strengthen you. And this is God. It's so amazing. And it's so easy to give in to fear and discouragement. Believe me. 
And when he says, don't be afraid for I'm with you, don't be discouraged, he's not saying you're never going to feel those things because you are. He's saying, don't allow those things to define you. Don't allow fear, discouragement to define you. Look to him because he will strengthen you and help you. Even in those moments where you feel defined by those, he will strengthen you and help you. He will hold you up. He will give you hope. Christmas is such an easy time to feel his love, such an easy time to feel his hope, such an easy time to to feel close to other people. We have Christmas Eve services. We have Christmas services. Well, not actually on Christmas, but we have services around Christmas. We have family gatherings that I'm sure never have any drama whatsoever. Never any bad politics talk, never any hard feelings, just gifts and things like that, right? But it's easy still to feel all of that. And the new year coming up, no matter what our 1919, 2019, 2019 was like. We're like, okay, well, at least maybe 2020 will be better. I've seen a lot on Facebook, a lot on Facebook, this meme that says something like, let the tears you uh, let go in 2019 uh, water your garden for 2020 or something like that. And so we have that hope, and it's easy this time of year. But then January 2nd, January 3rd, January 4th, when you go back to work, when you go back to school, the doubts start to creep in. The hurts start to come back. The pain starts to be remembered. But do not give up. Remember this feeling right now, all of the year, because he will help. He will strengthen you. Christmas may be when we focus the most on Jesus' birth. But that birth covers our entire year, our entire life. And New Year's may be the time that we focus the most on new beginnings, on future hopes. But God's promises are forever. The words of Isaiah are forever. I will strengthen you through everything. I will be with you through everything. I will love you through everything. So as you go through your year, remember those words. And then show them to everyone that you meet. That's all I got.